listening to a podcast from Light FM. Unlocking the secret to better parenting. This is Growing Pains on the Light Breakfast. Today we're talking about changing appearances with our resident child psychologist, Katiana Azman. So, Katiana, um, health conditions like alopecia, severe eczema, uh, and thyroid problems that cause obesity gradually affect one's appearance. Yeah. So, how do these actually affect a child's emotional development? Well, absolutely, children are going to be very aware that they look different, especially in an era of social media where they're able to kind of see all these very unrealistic standards on platforms like Instagram and Facebook of what beauty, quote unquote, is supposed to look like. Um, Appearance is something that I find children nowadays are very, very aware of. And so if you have a child who has a physical issue or a medical issue that alters their appearance and makes them look even more different from what these standards claim to be, then it's going to impact their self-confidence first and foremost. And in that regard, it will impact their mood because they're going to feel less than their peers and less than what is considered attractive. So that could impact their emotional development because they'll develop a very negative self-image. In some cases, you'll have children develop something similar to body dysmorphia where they have a very altered or distorted viewpoint of how they look. And that's going to impact their sense of self-worth if they are in an environment that is very much focused on physicality, which unfortunately happens with children as young as I would even say nine years old. So I would say it can definitely impact them negatively if they aren't given the support early on. How do we then prepare our kids or help those who are already mentally affected by their unexpected changing appearances? I think that the first thing is we have to accept that it is going to happen or it could very much happen in children. I've seen parents try to sweep it under the carpet and kind of tell children that they have nothing to feel negative about. It is the truth. They absolutely have nothing to feel negative about with regards to these changes. But the way that it's being communicated, again, tends to invalidate how the children feel. So what I would do is to very much have these conversations with your children to understand what it is about their appearance or these changes that are affecting them. What are the standards or what are the expectations that they wished that they could fulfill? What is it that these changes mean to them? Just having very frank conversations with your child about it and being very open. You'd be quite surprised. A lot of children might not be thinking about these changes in the same way that we adults might. I've had some very unfortunate experiences where children who have had their appearances altered due to, for example, alopecia, and they actually didn't see it as that big a deal. But mom and dad fussing over it and telling them that, oh, you know, you look different and that's okay. And kind of planting these thoughts in their head when it wasn't even there to begin with could actually have a negative impact. So I always adopt the approach that they should kind of be very open to what the child has to say and what they feel and try to see whether you can have more positive conversations with them about it. So if the child feels that, okay, I have these changes happen, but I'd like to look into finding a sense of style that makes me feel confident in the presence of these changes, then you want to be able to say, okay, well, let's go do that. Right. So there are things that you can do to actually help build upon your child's self-confidence. So having a conversation with them to understand how these changes are impacting them is the first thing that we should do. And then identifying if there are little things that you can do to help mitigate these challenges is the next step. But if you have a child who is very much negatively impacted by it and it's affecting their mental health, then not a bad thing at all to engage a professional to help your child navigate this very difficult time. Now, Katya. 
Tiana, this is something that I know something about because it sort of happened to me. Going to school may not be the easiest for these kids. So mm. how can we help the kids whose friends may not understand their condition? Educating people is the most powerful tool that you can give them. And so when you have your child, for example, go through something that is not very common, so like alopecia, then you want to explain to your child that any resistance or any type of confusion that people might be communicating to them could very well be coming from a place of just ignorance and a lack of knowledge. And so telling your child that they have absolutely the right to empower people and to communicate to people what this condition is about and how it affects you and how it doesn't change who you are as a human being. So I think that having these kids feel like they can be in control and empower them to educate those around them about their condition can be something that's really, really helpful. And a lot of the times when other students are educated about a particular condition and they're not seeing it as something that is wholly negative or something that can impact them or is contagious or weird or changes their friend from who they are, they respond to it really, really well. And so I think giving these kids the opportunity to educate those around them and see what their responses are is a good thing. But also telling kids that, you know, if you have people who are going to judge you for how you look and not the person that you are, whether or not these are the kind of people that you want in your life and having that be a conversation you need to have with your kids also. So Kajira, what are some coping mechanisms that could be or may be a cause of concern? You know, when it comes to, I'm not going to say just teenagers, I feel that adults do the same thing. When they have things that they are uncomfortable with or that they're ashamed about, you start to see avoidance come up. So you might have your teenager or your child want to avoid going to school or socializing because these are things that remove them from the source of discomfort, which is being seen in a social setting. So kids might try to cope with that by avoiding situations and remaining quite isolated, which recently research shows us just makes your mental health a lot worse. So that's a coping skill that we kind of want to avoid. We want our children to be able to be as part of the community as possible. The other thing is also looking at more, I would say, risky type behaviors. So things like smoking, drug use to kind of avoid thinking about the issue or kind of projecting a different image as well with some teens. Those types of coping mechanisms are risky because they put you in physical harm's way as well. So those might be some things that parents should keep an eye out for if you have a child who's not coping very well with their diagnosis. That's a very good reminder, actually, because again, we adults cope uh, in ways that are either helpful or neutral or very unhelpful. So I would imagine yeah, <laughs> yeah, kids do the same. Yeah. yeah, It's it's difficult as a parent and it's doubly so for the kids. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Katiana. You can listen to all of our Growing Pain sessions again on the Light Breakfast podcast that's found on the Shock app. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S-Y-O-K.